I'm not prepared. Very unprofessional. Are you going to fire me? You're not even hired. <laughs> so, well, there's no firing you if you're not hired. can't get rid of me, so... You were supposed to read the script. I read it then you were on October eighth when you about. sent it to me, and then you said you changed it. What did I? When did I write it? October eighth. Holy shit! It's Halloween. <laughs> we are way behind schedule. Hmm. Episode four. The Ten-Year-Old's Guide to Death Threats You've probably seen it before. The porch light is on in late summer. The sun is down. The mess in the kitchen can wait till morning, and you and your friends have been standing outside the front door saying goodbye for 25 minutes now in the glow of that singular lantern. You flicked on the light with the intention of giving your buds a solid handshake and piecing out to bed, but one topic leads to the next. <laughs> hey, that's why you're friends. You gel. These are your people. By the time they finally leave, Others have come by in the span of that 25-minute farewell. These are the bugs, the ones who fly around your porch light in infinite circles. Among them, the moth. The same one my mom used to say brought good luck. Moths love the light. We've made an idiom out of it, like moths to the flame. It's used most commonly to identify someone who can't help but fall into some path toward danger. I've actually been hearing that term a lot lately. I'm the moth, and getting into altercations is my flame. Part of this journey is honesty. As a martial artist, we have to be honest about our progress. If our punches are a little weak, we can't pretend that they aren't, because at some point we may have to punch, and if we have fooled ourselves into thinking they are effective, we can hurt ourselves. At first I thought, nah, the conflicts are coming to me. I'm just responding in turn. I live in a kind of rough neighborhood. Altercations are to be expected. I tell myself that I have more to protect now. I have a wife and a dog, and I am more outspoken than I have ever been. I tell myself I have more morals now, so I'm getting into fights because I have a noble reason. I tell myself a lot of things, but the truth is something different. No one really knows why moths are attracted to flame, but there is a prevailing theory. Some entomologists think moths use the moon to help them navigate. It's kind of how sailors used to use the stars to guide them to wherever they were sailing to. In a purely natural world, without the light pollution made by humans, moths would navigate with the moon forever. 
However, since we placed artificial lights all over our cities and all over our homes, moths get confused. And you think, that must be the moon. And they circle it forever, thinking they're spanning great distances while staying perpetually in a 10-inch purgatory. Fighters are like that. We're trying to find our way. If our flame is the fights we gravitate towards, then we must use combat as some metric of progress. We must measure ourselves each fight to see if we've traveled some distance, whether it's physically or spiritually. So I have to ask, what am I measuring? If I keep stepping up to fights that I could walk away from, what am I trying to gauge? It's not an easy question to answer, not because I don't know the answer, but because answering it leads to a lot of painful memories. It's like after you finish your drink, you just want to suck one piece of ice, so you tilt your cup and the whole iceberg comes crashing on top of you. The answer is this. I keep getting into altercations because I am trying to find out if I am brave or not. There is a quote. I swear, I scoured the internet for it and could not find its source, so if any of you tenacious readers out there want to track it down for me, I would be so grateful. It's probably from a cartoon or a television show, but it sticks in my mind when I write this episode. It goes something like this. The problem with men today is that they live and die without ever being able to know if they are brave. If that's not the quote, sorry, but that's what I took from the quote. And there's a lot to unpack there. Like, why? Why don't people know if they're brave or not anymore? I have two guesses. The first is that we're comfortable. We aren't Neolithic nomads anymore. We don't have to fight for our food. We no longer fear the jaguar. We've subjected nature. We are, for all intents and purposes, kind of like terraformers. We see a spider and we suck it up with a vacuum. We don't like the look of a tree in our backyard and we hire someone to take it away. Our basest fears lie somewhere in our subconscious, but that's where they live now. The quieter parts of the mind. They're not the prevailing motivation for humans to invent and overcome anymore. Secondly, bravery is kind of an outdated virtue, isn't it? If you go to a job interview and you have to list your skills, you probably say something like reliable or organized or any one of those other capitalist buzzwords. How many of us got the job interview because we're brave? And think about dating. On a list of the most desired traits in a mate, other than having a copious amount of knowledge on the history of karate, it's confidence, optimism, friendliness, humor, humility, and the ability to listen. That doesn't necessarily mean bravery is dead. It has changed forms, yeah. Maybe bravery today is being vulnerable. Maybe bravery is speaking about difficult issues, but that's not the kind of bravery I'm, I mean. This is a fight podcast. I'm talking about violence. I'm talking about standing in the proverbial arena and fearing pain or death. I'm talking about being outnumbered and dragged to a place without security cameras or prying eyes and being terrified that the next seconds of your life might be your last. I'm talking about standing up to a bully without Ellen or some other celebrity around to pat you on the head later. I'm talking about the loneliness of the way of having no loud voices to cheer you on, no speeches to draw inspiration from, no words of wisdom to guide you through the dark. I'm talking about squaring up with someone who hates you, 
just because they hate you. I'm talking about that kind of bravery. The one no one sees, the one no one cares about until you have tunnel vision, swinging wildly in the air with tears in your eyes in the hopes that you crash into someone who for once in your life deserves it. I've been there. I've squared up with enough people to write a book and yet every encounter from telling some drunk man at a bar to not yell at my wife to shut up, to throwing hands with a dude who shows passerbys his dick while we're on the river path, I still don't know if I'm brave or not. But that's not really the point of this episode. Being brave is too nebulous. It would be too Instagram influencer of me to just say I need to be okay with being who I really am. It's like I said before, I already know the answer. It's where it leads that hurts. So here I am, at the part that hurts. I have to ask myself, in this world where that kind of savage bravery doesn't really matter anymore, why do I still want to be brave? Everyone has a shitty neighbor at some point in their life. When I was 10, I lived next door to the Whites. You know, for one reason or another, their family and my family just didn't get along. Kids can be pricks. I remember the neighbor kids being jerks to me, and I remember being jerks to them. Just stupid kid stuff, the kind of stuff that usually thins out as you get older. But the patriarch of that family was something else. He was a pretty big dude, but I guess to a ten-year-old, everyone's big. But he also lumbered around, kind of like a shuffling Frankenstein. He had this wild black hair that was one part discount Dracula and one part discount Wolverine. For some reason, beyond any petty squabbles the kids may have had, Mr. White was a legitimate psychopath. Like I said, I was ten. I thought adults were normal. I had the pleasure of being raised by two fairly normal people. I mean, they are Italian immigrants and I love them and there's definitely some cultural unpacking to do there, but for the most part... They were kind and responsible. My parents never swore around us, or if they did, they'd hide it in mumbling Italian nouns. Is stronzo a noun? I'll have to look that one up later. Uh, Anyway, my, my point is, I expected every adult in the world to be as gentle as my parents were when I was 10. At 10, I heard things about Mr. White. I heard him yelling sometimes, which I more or less thought was funny. I heard some stories about him threatening people. I remember once the neighbor on the other side of us was dumping his cut grass in a field acres off Mr. White's property, but this mad patriarch took even that as an insult and said to my neighbor that I don't care if I go to jail for manslaughter. Like, dude, it's grass. Relax. All those stories were just that. Stories. The kind of funny things to joke about. But I had my own story one day. I was playing with my brother. We always played stupid games as brothers do. We filled up water balloons on a hot summer day and he peered out the second story window down at me, ready on the lawn below. He would launch the balloons at me and I would punch the balloons, hoping to burst them. I don't know why that was so much fun. It's like this innocent snapshot of what it's like to have nothing to do on a Saturday. If we were kids today, we probably would have recorded and slowed down the footage to throw up on YouTube as some amateur imitation of the slow-mo guys. I remember how the balloons didn't pop. They kind of warped around my punching hand and bounced off, which I thought was the coolest thing. 
I kind of wish that was all I remembered. Like I said, I was on the lawn outside by myself. My brother was inside, and I don't know if he heard or saw this. Mr. White was in his backyard. He was a presence, as I mentioned before, a big dude with this wild black hair. He was looking at me. I remember because he had come outside for something and in my peripheral this shambling shape stopped suddenly. I could feel him looking at me. It was oppressive and that was the first time in my life I ever felt uncomfortable. My mom and dad taught me a lot about standing up for myself so my 10 year old brain thought it was gonna be easy to just simply turn and stare back. It was hard to think about because even as I'm recording this, that fight or flight rumble in my gut is still raging. That was the first real time I felt the terrifying rush of adrenaline as I turned to stare down Mr. White. Looking at him was horrifying. He was about 20 feet from me, standing on his lawn, but I still felt threatened. I remember my body sort of involuntarily moving or or bracing like a guy who was preparing to get tackled. But I couldn't look away. I was a bunny looking at a BB gun, or a deer in headlights. I was absolutely terrified because for the first time in a long line of stare downs, I was not sure what the next few moments were going to bring. The scariest thing happened next. Mr. White spoke to me. He was talking directly to me because he used the heavy word you. He said, you fucking idiot. I will fucking kill you. Never before had I been threatened. Never before had an adult spoken to me that way. I experienced a kind of gutting that one might have if, say, they were just told Santa Claus isn't real. It takes the color out of your eyes. I felt like throwing up. I never told anyone what happened because I was legitimately afraid that my neighbor was going to kill me. I didn't like going outside. I didn't even like looking at the man. I felt powerless, and in the years to come, as I contemplated the complicated relationship of violence and martial arts, I suitably left this memory untended because at such a formative age, I didn't realize the effect it had on me. I didn't realize it would make me question whether or not I was a coward for the years to come. There's a part two to this story. For years, that memory was squashed down into the deeper parts of my subconscious because I never wanted to untangle all that trauma. Every once in a while, I would speculate. I did the, and if I ever saw that guy again, and the hypothetical rewritings of history, imagining myself as a 10-year-old boy fighting an insane grown-ass man, I was probably 25, living in a shithole on Oxford Street, this time with neighbors of my own. I would visit my parents when I could, and one day I pulled into the driveway 
did what I normally did, which is turn down my blaring music, make sure I didn't smell of cigarettes, and I unlocked the door with my key. I usually head straight for the kitchen, but on this particular visit, I stopped in the dining room. A man was sitting with my parents. He was bald, tall, but very skinny and rather somber looking. I figured it was one of my parents' church friends. But the man stood and said, You probably don't recognize me. Yeah, it was Mr. White. He was diagnosed with a brain tumor, and he had come over to my parents' house to apologize for every shitty thing he ever did. I sat and had coffee with them for a minute, not really hearing anything that man said. I just remember that he didn't have that wild hair anymore. I remember he didn't look half as scary as he did when he threatened a ten-year-old. I hated that dude so much. While rehashing all this for this episode, I was getting the same angry rushes of adrenaline thinking about him. But remembering him as he was the last time I saw him, I didn't feel hatred for him. I didn't hate him when I asked if he wanted more coffee. I didn't hate him when he talked about his diagnosis. I didn't hate him when he said, I wasted all this time. We could have been good friends. The problem I have had since that day is, I didn't get the resolution I wanted. I wanted to shout down that man. I wanted to return to the proverbial arena and win where, as a ten-year-old, I lost. I didn't want to spar a sick man. I didn't want an apology. I wanted undisputed victory. I wanted Mr. White to know how badly he fucked with my head. It's selfish. And I think the majority of the altercations I find myself in are selfish. I think I'm still looking for that victory because the ten-year-old inside of me never healed from that. He never got closure. Senseis come in all kinds of forms. It's kind of funny, actually. The name White, like the White Belt, where all basic training starts. I think that day... Mr. White taught me something about going back to the beginning. He taught me that it's okay to look back at what you were, the broken, the scared, the ignorant, the ugly, and sometimes the child-threatening. And It's okay to forgive yourself. So to the ten-year-old me, know this. What happened sucked. But your fear in response to it didn't make you weak. It just showed you the kind of man you don't want to be when you grow up. So don't go spreading violence like a bad neighbor. Give the good that you have left to give. And to Mr. White, 
one-time enemy, one-time sensei. I think I finally get that lesson now. So, thank you. I hope you rest in peace. I know we talked about moths a little while ago, and um, I just wanted to put it out there into the universe that I am really freaked out by butterflies and things that have wings. I don't know why, I just remember going to the butterfly conservatory as a young child in the third grade, and I was not having any of it. I ran out screaming. <laughs> All right, wrap it up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but that's not interesting. <laughs> Your listeners don't want to hear this. Do you guys Do you guys not want to hear this story? It's not good? Okay. All right. Well. We have like three people today. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to our master editor, Lily Myra, who is just amazing and one of our best friends. Um, thank you to Aaron Celentano for donating his music and the fans and you guys for listening. We really love you. I think, I don't know, I guess some of you, we don't know. I don't know. We love you. Yes, we love you. <laughs> love is such a strong word. Um, we appreciate you. All right, wrap it up. Minute and yeah. a half. <laughs> This is a shit show. <laughs> Sorry, Don, I swore. Don doesn't like it when we swear. <laughs>